I was asked to announce before I get started that if you can bring live flowers, they always fix the cross up out in front of the church this morning. We forgot to mention that. So if you'd like to bring them so they can place them in the cross out front for pictures on Sunday next week, please bring some from home. Help us decorate it a little. Let's go to the Lord in a moment of prayer before we turn to our text. Lord, it is our love for you that brings us here. It is our love for you, Father, that inspires us to trust you and to walk with you and to share you, Lord, with the world around us. Remind us, Lord, this morning of the reason for that love. Challenge our hearts. And, Lord, if there be those with us today who have not yet come to know you, whether by the radio, Father, or sitting in our presence, give them the courage, Lord, to trust you today as their personal Lord and Savior. And, Lord, inspire each of us that we might leave this place, Father, with a new love and a new appreciation for our wonderful Savior. In your name, Lord, we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to turn with me to the 14th chapter of the Gospel of Mark in our study this morning. Mark chapter 14. I want to ask you a couple of questions this morning. First one. Why do you love him? Why do you love him? As she walked up to the cemetery plot, she placed the flowers at the tombstone. A passerby witnessed what she was doing. She was just a young lady. He said, is this your dad? She said, oh, no. She said, many years ago, I was a little girl. My mom had slipped away for a moment to run to the store, and I was in an apartment upstairs. A fire broke out in the house. The fireman came. The fireman made it upstairs, and he managed to get me and drop me through an open window to the men below. But unfortunately, because it was so late with the fire, he himself did not escape. This is his tombstone. And every year I come and place flowers here in memory of the man who gave his life for me. There are many people in our world who have sacrificed their life for others. Many soldiers that have given their life for your freedom and mine. But the one who gave his life for all of us was Jesus, our Savior. That's just one of the many reasons why we love him. Why did he have to die, the kids would ask. Scripture says, for the wage of sin is death, but the gift of life, well, is through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus died not for his sins, but for mine, for yours. When we look at the cross, we see the love of a creator for his creation. We see the love of a Savior for a sinner, and we see the love of a Father for His sons and daughters in Christ. I'm afraid that many times we lose sight of the evil of our sins, the price of our sin, and the pain of our sin. All of those are the things through which Jesus would bear. But how did it begin? 
The committed Christian sees sin as no little matter, but he understands its cost, and he understands the price that was paid that we might be forgiven. The path of the cross did not begin at the door of Pilate's palace or even at the Garden of Gethsemane. The path of the cross began many years before. We see it when Jesus is born and Simeon tells Mary, a sword will pierce your soul. And it did when she saw her son on the cross. It began even before that when the prophet Isaiah said, like a lamb, he will be led to the slaughter. It began even before that when King David said, oh my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It was Moses who said, When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Those were the words of the angel of God. And even as we turn to the book of Genesis and Adam and Eve, it said, He will bruise your heel and you shall crush his head. You see, what I want us to understand is the story of the cross didn't begin at 33 years old in the life of Jesus. It began... In the beginning, God knew from day one what it was going to cost for your salvation and for mine. This was no surprise. This was no uh, unexpected fly in the ointment. God knew from the day he created us that one day he would have to pay the price to save us. And yet God did not erase his creation. He stepped forward and paid the price for his creation. Why do you love him? I don't know about you, but I love him first of all because of the path he chose. For just a moment, let us go to scripture. For a few moments this morning and trace some steps. It is the night when he has completed his Passover celebration. Kids, that was the night in Israel's history when God passed over them with the death angel and allowed them to live because in faith they had placed door on the blood post. Because God said, if I see the blood, I'm going to pass over the firstborn of this house. And the houses of Israel were overlooked as Egypt was struck. On that night when he had finished that, he left and went into the garden of Gethsemane. Listen to these verses in verse 32 and following in Mark chapter 14. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And they took Peter, James, and John along with him. And he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said to them, Stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and he prayed that if it be possible, this hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but you will. Then he returned to his disciples, and he found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Once more, he went away, and he prayed the same thing. And he went back, and again, he found them sleeping. 
because their eyes were weary. And they did not know what to say to him. And he returned the third time. And he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough, the hours come. Look, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. I want to take a moment and look at the struggle of Gethsemane. This is a place where Jesus went so often to escape the crowd. But on this night, he went, if you will, to clarify his mission, to conquer his fear. He went before the Father and he prayed and he said, Lord, if there's any other way that Tom and Bill and Joe and Mary and Ann and Carolyn and all the rest can be saved other than that I die on this cruel cross, let it be. Is there another plan? Is there an alternate route? But not my will, Father, thy will be done. We see the agony. The word for fear here meant literally to be struck with terror. Have you ever been terrified? Probably some of the times in life most that we remember some sense of being terrified is awakening from some horrible nightmare that we've been caught up in. And we awake terrified. Have you ever awakened in the middle of the night and someone's chasing you? Or, or the snake is fixing to strike and, and you're kicking your spouse? Or somebody? You're terrified. But on that night, terror struck the heart of our Lord. He was so strong, so kind, so powerful. It is hard to see our Savior vulnerable. But on that night, he faced the terror of what lay ahead. Luke, the physician, in his recording of the story, tells us that Jesus literally sweat drops of blood as the capillaries in his forehead gave way. Blood began to seep through his pores. The Bible tells us that God even sent his angel to comfort him, to encourage him in that hour. We see his struggle as he says, Abba, Father. Kids, the word means daddy. When a child cries out, daddy, that gets personal. That's personal. We see his struggle. The weight of the world was on his shoulders. The hope of mankind was in his hands. We see his agony, we see his struggle, but we see his stand. With a determined will, he sets his pace to face the cross. We have read of soldiers who have willingly stepped forward and they knew they wouldn't come back. I read some years of a Years ago during World War II of a submarine captain who realized that torpedoes from the enemy had been launched and it was headed straight for an American troop ship. He maneuvered his sub between the troop ship and the coming torpedoes. 
he and his crew would go down in history as heroes because of the thousands of men's lives they saved by their sacrifice. Our Lord knew what lay ahead, and we love him for the price. We see the sham of a trial. These powerful men were jealous of Jesus' popularity. They were afraid he would mess up their comfortable life that they had feathered for themselves. You see, when they meet in hiding, these religious leaders, to plot the death of Jesus, there's an interesting statement one of the gospel writers shares. He said, in short, they said, we've got to do something lest Rome come and take our power away. You see, they were afraid Jesus was getting so much attention that he was going to stir the people so much that they were going to lose everything they had going for themselves. Like the lost man who somehow becomes convinced that holding on to his sin is his hope for his future, the joy of his life. These men could not see the salvation that Jesus intended to bring them. In lust to keep things status quo, they would gladly sacrifice Jesus. There is the shame of their false accusations. In verse 55 and following it, it says, And the chief priest and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death, but they did not find any. Many testified falsely against him, but their statements did not agree. No matter how hard they tried to present a case that he was guilty, there really wasn't a case to present. We see the silenced. Of the sentenced. Jesus did not try to defend himself. He was there to accomplish his mission. We see the suffering of the innocent Savior. Verse 65. Then some began to spit at him. And they blindfolded him. And they struck him with their fist. And they said prophesy. And the guards took him. And they beat him. How in the world the God of heaven could restrain himself? Well, only God could do that. Is there a man in this room that could stand back and watch someone do that to your child and restrain yourself? I'm going to tell you something. You go to a ball game, you say something about the color of your kid's hair and you get mad. Am I right? I understand that. I really do. Yet our Lord and our loving Father endured the pain for you and for me. They mocked him. We love him. Why do you love him? We love him because of the pain that he would endure. The Bible says that first of all, there are the people of the cross. There's Pilate. Pilate was the governor, kids. He, he, he was the one who they had to go through to get him killed. You said they didn't have the power to do it. And so they brought him to the governor and they said, listen, he's done this, this, and this. If you read the story, you realize he realized they were just jealous of Jesus. He went to them more than once and said, why do you want me to do this? man's innocent. His wife sent him a note. She said, I've had a nightmare about this man. Don't have anything to do with this. Pilate didn't listen. 
You see, Pilate was caught between a rock and a hard space. He was caught between being able to be the popular governor. He had already gotten in trouble more than once for his bad decisions. These were powerful men that wanted Jesus killed. And so he gave in to what we call peer pressure. I'm going to tell you something about peer pressure, kids. It is the response of the coward. When your peers pressure you to take drugs you don't want to do, when you do it, you are a coward. We've all been there. We've all done things we didn't want to do because we weren't courageous enough to stand for what deep in our heart we believe to be right. Now, Brother Ken, are you saying that to be mean to me? I know I'm saying that to you to give you the courage to fight back. Don't yield to the pressures of the world around you. It takes courage to say, I have a Savior that taught me that ain't right and I won't do it. Pilate folded. He took Jesus and he had him beat. They beat him with a whip, the cat of nine tails, 39 lashes. Actually, it was legal to beat a man 40. That was the legal limit. But you see, the mistake was if you hit him 40 times and you made a mistake and miscounted and hit him 40 once, then you got beat with the whip. So everybody stopped at 39. 20 lashes across the back. Those nine strips of leather with, le- with metal and bone tied in the end of those strips would literally rip the hide from the skin. 20 lashes across the back and 20 minus one across the side so that the lashes would, rip around, would wrap around the chest and catch you so that the stripes would be on the front and on the back. You see, Pilate thought, if I just beat him half to death, I'll let him go. And after he had whipped him 39 lashes, he brought him out and he stood him before the crowd. And he said, behold the man. And he thought when they saw it, that it would bring some compassion in their hearts. Crucify him, they said. There's Simon. As they placed Jesus with his shoulder with the cross placed on it, it was the man to be crucified's responsibility to drag it, to carry it, so to speak, to its destination. But he'd been beat half to death. Some men would die having been beat like that. Jesus shoulders it for a few steps and falls beneath the weight of what Scientists, writers claim maybe 250-pound cross if you had to pick it completely up. Simon is a man in the crowd. He is grabbed from the crowd. He's there to worship, but somehow he is placed into service and he is forced to carry the cross. We know he didn't do it willingly because Scripture is clear. By compulsion, he was made to carry the cross. Simon had no way of knowing what the future would hold because this man who carried the cross on this day forced by the crowd, his life would be changed. Brother Ken, how do you know that? Well, I'm just reading between the lines because he is identified as the father of Alexander of these two sons 
And those two sons are later identified in Christian history as great saints among the church. What began as a compulsion that day, I I believe later, became the saving experience of the family of Simon. Now, Brother Ken, do you know that for a fact? No. But why else would they mention that he is the father of these men? There are the soldiers. Five-man death squad assigned to him. They're so crazy about Jesus, they gamble for what he's got. An old robe, a few trinkets, so to speak, of garments. The only one they really want is that seamless robe that he wore. And as they crucify our Lord upon the cross, there are two criminals. One on the left and one on the right. One begins to call out for him to come down from the cross. If he's a savior, save them and save himself. But the other one has a change of heart. He said, why do you say that to him? We're criminals. We deserve what we're getting. This man's done nothing wrong. And he looked at Jesus somehow realizing who and what he was. And he said, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And there... A man dying within the hours to come got saved. Got saved. Jesus said, this day you shall be with me in paradise. The criminal found the Christ. Why do you love him? Because of the hope he secured. The purpose of the cross. Jesus was not there by coercion. He was not a victim. He was a volunteer. He died to accomplish God's purpose, which was to save you and I. He came to redeem you and he came to redeem me. And the crowd's response was, can he not save himself? Yeah, he can. But he won't. Because you see, if he saves himself, He can't save you. He can't save me. Because the only way to save me was to go to the cross and to bear my sins. He came to clean up our lives. Every harbored hatred, every lustful thought, every adulterous act, every lying word, every spoken word of profanity, He came to pay our debt. And as prisoners to set us as captives free. No longer condemned men awaiting judgment. But forgiving men awaiting life. Life abundant. Jesus before Pilate. He would not cower to mere men. Nor would he cave to the threats. Like a man tiring among boys. He would not plead for his life nor would he beg for mercy. He would shoulder the will of the Father and he would endure the pain in silent courage. He is our hero. He stepped in our place 
and he paid our debt. He deserves your respect, your love, and your devotion. And he deserves mine. That's why we love him. We love him because of what he did that we might have life. Brother Ken, it sounds like a sad story. It is a sad story. But it doesn't end there. Because the same Lord who would yield up his life in those last words, it is finished, would bow his head and die. You see, they couldn't kill him. He had to give up his spirit. And he did. And for three days he would remain dead so that the world could not question the reality of his death before he would come back to proclaim to his disciples he was the Savior of the world. He loved you. He loves you today. And he loves me. He is worthy of our love, our respect, and our dedication. Let's go, the Lord, in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for what you have done in our behalf. And Lord, I know there's so much more to the story I've left out this morning. But Lord, I pray that you have touched our hearts, reminded us of your great love for us. And Lord, I pray that you will touch us to walk with you. We ask these things in Jesus' name.